0: Hey, before we begin today's show, we're all going through some tough times right now. But here at ESPN, we're trying to help you get through them. We got word this week, the Chicago Bulls documentary series, The Last Dance, will debut later this month, which we're all excited for. But if you need to pass the time until then, ESPN podcasts are still in full swing. And just this week, we've put out new daily episodes of Baseball Tonight with Buster Olney and, of course, ESPN Daily with Mina Kimes. Obviously, there's still a lot going on in the world of pro football. We've got a new episodes of the Adam Schefter Podcast and the Bill Barnwell Show. If you're interested in listening to any of these shows, you can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate, review, all that stuff. Hello and welcome to the Who Collective Podcast presented by Goodyear, one of my all-time favorite companies not just because we're presenting a sponsor, because my family has been tied to them for 50-plus years, Akron, Ohio. Um, joining us from Boston is Jackie McMullen. We have the A-team here for this particular podcast. Jackie, I hope you're doing well.
1: I have no ties to Goodyear, but I am doing fine. Everybody here is relatively healthy, as far as we know, but who would know? Because the only person I ever see is my husband, and we're <laughs> both hanging in there. That's the way it should be.
0: Uh, joining us from Dallas, the Dallas Metroplex is Tim McMahon. It, it, it's, it's, I used to tell where everybody was because we were always spread across the country, but you know, now I don't even have to ask. Howdy, partners. Lean Cuisine Pizza Update.
2: Uh, we are, uh, we are in need of a, of a run. Mm. Let's see. Let me open this bad boy up. We are down to. One, two, three, four, and then a couple of these healthy choice power bowls. Mm. Got some turkey sandwich stuff, but yeah, it's uh, it's time for a grocery run.
1: Fruit, right, fruit, Tim, fruit. You're going to get scurvy. R, eat fruit. <laughs> Come on, eat some fruit. My Tim. daughter
2: made me a, a fancy smoothie today, so I got Ooh, some. Ooh,
0: I yeah. love that. Good girl. Right, very good. Um. All right. Well, we had some. Actually, pleasant news for a change uh, this week when uh, ESPN announced that the Michael Jordan documentary, which uh, had long been planned to be shown before and in in and around the finals um, on the off nights of the finals and stuff, uh, in June, is now being moved up and is going to be shown in uh, under a little under three weeks. I believe it's uh, a couple of weeks from two weeks from Sunday, maybe um, the nineteenth. So 19th. That is.
1: yeah, the nineteenth.
0: Okay. So, you know, two and a half weeks from now. Um, so I just thought we would, just because it triggered so much, uh, uh so much with so many people, I mean, just the excitement of seeing this, this uh, doc, um, if it's, if it's 10 episodes, uh, I mean, I, you know, I know they've been working on it for almost two years. So, you know, you know, they have great interviews and, you know, they've gone through all of the footage and they have all the stuff. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Jackie, uh, you covered the the entirety, if I'm not mistaken, of Michael Jordan's career in the NBA. How many of those championships were you?
1: How many of those finals wins were you there for? Oh, I don't know. A lot of them. I missed uh, I missed I might have missed 91. I was pregnant. I did have some kids in there. (laughs) <laughs> but you know I'll tell you the moment that I will never forget and I was there and you know what I'm talking about because it broke your heart Brian as a young person was the 89 playoffs Richfield Coliseum oh, yes. to me and oh, I yes. saw I've seen it almost everything Jordan has done as a pro not as a college player and I still think that that was the greatest shot he ever made I believe I still feel that way and it's called the shot for those who don't know there was three seconds left. I
0: can't believe people wouldn't know, but I don't know. Maybe. Well,
1: maybe not. I don't know. You but might Jordan might have some whippersnappers. Jordan rises up, hits, hits, hits. You know. By the way, Craig Yellow did everything right, and, 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 and not
2: just rises up, but floated.
1: Yes, he did. And the thing was, he he hit the shot. Buzzer beater wins the game. And by the way, it's only the first round of the playoffs, and right, back game before, five. And it's a best of five back then is what I was going to say. And But it was, I'm telling you, you just knew. It was, you knew sometimes, and you guys have been in these experiences, where you know the minute you see it, this is an iconic moment. This is a defining moment. It really was like that. And partly because the Cavs were really good. Brad Doherty was on that team, Mark Price, Ron Harper, Larry Nance, you know, Elo, Elo. Hit the you know, would have the would be winning layup that was ELO before that and he guarded Michael Jordan as well as you possibly could and I'll tell you something I ran into Craig ELO after many many years Craig ELO was a was a wonderful player and a, a, a great guy just a really good guy I ran into him uh, this last year at a Hall of Fame event a golf event in, in L A. And I was, you know, talking with him because I knew him from all those years ago. I would never bring this up. I just never would. But I stood with him and talked with him for probably 25 minutes. And not almost everyone, every single person, that was the first thing they said to Craig. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being defined by someone else's, you know, the greatest player who ever lived, his greatest? And and I've always wondered – that loss was so heartbreaking, so crushing, and he crushed that entire team. And he crushed Craig Elo, who, by the way, did nothing wrong. It's just yeah. astounding. Yeah, it's one of those things that happens in, in basketball
0: sometimes. In fact, you know, in Cleveland, the play that Elo scored on to give the Cavs the lead was almost too good. The play worked so well that it took like no time. That's exactly um, right.
1: That's exactly right. And
0: you know that Cavs team, they won fifty-seven games. They had home court. Uh, Obviously, it was the deciding fifth game. Was um, was that uh, was 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 in was was in Cleveland? You know, Cleveland Richfield, yeah. Um, And uh, they had the number three defense in the league. Yeah, number two. Number number two defense in terms of offensive rating. Number nine offense. That's the kind of team that. uh, you know, can can really do something. And then, of course, after that year, they traded Ron Harper for Danny Ferry and the rest is sort of history.
2: Right. Exactly. Uh, and, and Ron Harper, I think most people at least are, you know, our age or younger. Remember, Ron Harper is a role player for the Chicago Bulls. But Cleveland right. Cavaliers, Ron Harper was a superstar.
1: Oh yeah, no, he was, you know, he was the third leading scorer on that team. I mean, Brad Doherty and Mark Price were the, the linchpins of that team. But you know, it was funny. I remember this is a Jordan story. I did had kind of forgot about this, but I covered that series. So I was back and forth and I was at the games and, and I was just getting, you know, I'd been around Jordan a little bit because of course I was also there for God disguised as Michael Jordan back in against the mm-hmm. Celtics in '86, and so I got to, I had gotten to know him a little bit, and I was asking about the Cavs, and I remember him saying to me, "Yeah, they're nice, little too nice." I remember him saying that to me. I didn't write it; I wasn't interviewing him. We were just talking because, guess what? Back then, you talked to players at their locker before the game, after the game. It was a very different <laughs> no. It was a very different environment. You got to be around these guys, and and you know he was right. If there was one thing wrong with that Cleveland Cavalier team was they were a little too nice. He was right. They did not have the killer instinct, and very, by the way, very few do, that Michael Jordan had.
0: Well, the other thing I'll say is that what people forget, that was a, at that point, was one of Jordan's great greatest games. Deciding Game 5 on the road. Uh, remember, he hadn't really won anything yet. Um, he scored 44 in that game, 17 of 32 from the field with nine rebounds, six assists, and just two turnovers in 44 minutes. Um, So that, I mean, obviously the shot was the defining moment, but, you know, it was the culmination of a huge game. And earlier in that series, um, you know, in in a five-game series, when it's 1-1, game three becomes pivotal. He scored 44 in that game
1: Yeah, uh, as well. And we had seen this, you know, I mean, it was 86 when he's in the garden and he's dropping 63 on perhaps one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. I mean, the 1986 Celtics, Brian and Tim, were 40 and one at home. The only game they lost all year at home was to the Portland Trailblazers. And and Larry Bird's still mad about it. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he is. But they had he, he dropped 63 on them. Played 53 minutes out of 58 minutes in that game. You know, I think he had 22 field goals. He was 19 of 21 from the line in that game. And the the God disguised as Michael Jordan, again, for those of you who are too young, that's what Bird said after. I mean, the Celtics did prevail in that game in double overtime, but that's what Bird said after the game. He knew. And, you know, it's funny. In the previous game, game one, he had forty i don 't have it in front of me forty eight or forty nine a ton of points in game one against Dennis Johnson, one of the best defensive guards in the league and d j after the game was in the locker room talking to the guys, and he 's like, yeah, well, the good news is he had forty nine and we won and don 't worry there's no way that's going to happen again and d j was right, of course, because he had sixty three <laughs> right game. so I, I you know I guess my point was I watched this young guy play, and eighty nine to me was everything coming together, but before that, he was already well, well on his way.
2: Jack, your memory's good. He had 49.
1: All right, I knew it was a one. ton. I Do you remember what he had in game three? I don't. I don't. 19. Yeah, I know that they, they did some Jordan Rules stuff on him because years later when the whole Jordan Rules thing blew up, I remember DJ saying to me, oh, come on, man, we were shading him long before anybody else was. We were shading we were shading back in 86. Come on, man. You know. He
0: still managed to average 44 points a game in the series in the three. No, I mean, <laughs> the he, was right.
1: he was just – it was just incredible. Just incredible. And, you know, the 89 class. it's funny because they that was an upset. That was clearly an upset. I mean, Cleveland was – the only team better than them in the East that year was the Pistons. And um, But Jordan went on. They, they went on, and, you know, in, in game one of the next series, he drops 34 on the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. I mean, it just, he was just incredible. And and I know there's been some great players since. And, you know, LeBron's one of the greatest players of all time. You could make the argument for greatest player of all time. We can, we can disagree on that. I think he's right there.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
1: but Jordan, there was something about Jordan that was different than LeBron. LeBron was – LeBron's a more complete player. I'll tell you that for sure. He's a much more complete player. But Jordan – And I've only known a few guys in the league like this with that killer instinct. And I always used to talk about this, and I might have even said this on this podcast before. The difference between covering when I covered Bird and and McHale, two unbelievable sounds. The reason that no one ever thought about McHale in the same vein as Bird was, if Bird had a guy down and he was on the ground, Bird would look at him, step on his larynx, and crush him. McHale would look down and say, yeah, you've had enough, and help him up. And that's the difference between the two of them. And there are very few people like Jordan. Kobe was one of them. Jordan was one of them. Bird was one of them. And, and, and Magic was one of them. I'm not sure LeBron is. And I'm not even And by the way, that might be a compliment. <laughs> because I think LeBron was a, an incredibly complete player. But I don't know. What do you think of that, Brian? I'm curious what you think about
0: that. I mean, I know that this is like no duh. You slap your forehead and say, of course. But the thing about Jordan that just absolutely blows you away is the scoring. The guy was just an amazing scorer. He scored in the first quarter of the first preseason game. He scored in the fourth quarter of finals games. He just scored and scored and scored. And in an era where we, we didn't see that much scoring, uh, I mean, certainly not compared to today's games, um, and, uh, where, and where without, he didn't, without
1: the three point shot, without, really. without the
0: three, he, he, the most oh, He was an was, average
1: three point shooter anyway, you know, yeah, he really was.
0: Yeah. Um, so just the way that he's got all of these scoring games and you go back and look at these playoff performances, 47 here, 42 there, 53 here, you mentioned 63. I mean, if you look at his playoff career, Okay. His first year, the first year the Bulls made the playoffs, when he was 21, he averaged 29 points a game in the playoffs. That was the lowest he ever averaged in the playoffs. He averaged mm-hmm. over 30, averaged over 31 every single time. Every single following year. I mean, and to score 30 points in a playoff game is hard. Yeah. Um, is. Especially back then, when where you know they didn't have the sort of floor spacing that we have today where there's well,
2: the score. Not only didn't have the floor spacing, but like the fouls that he took, I mean, he would take what multiple fouls a game that will get guys ejected and maybe suspended now.
0: Right. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, well I think the free about, throw line was a big
1: way he got the scoring. But even still it, it wasn't easy. And think about the hand checking that went on back then. You know, I mean, people really muscled you back then. Imagine if if he was playing today because he he would shoot threes today because they mm-hmm. just weren't emphasized back then and they would be now and he would be able to do them. I don't know how – I don't know that he'd be Steph Curry, but he certainly would be able to shoot them. I'll tell you another memory I have of Jordan. It was at the end of his career when he was with the Wizards, which everybody would probably choose to forget. Well, one of the things that I remember was, you know, Doug Collins ended up being his coach there. They reunited. I think Jordan always felt badly. I think he felt like somehow he contributed to to Collins being replaced by Phil Jackson. And um, I think he made it up to him by getting, you know, helping him get that job in Washington. And they, those two, by that point, had a good understanding of one another. And... You know Jordan was struggling. There were some. It was some. There were some tough nights that 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 final year.
0: His yeah, knee was really
1: yeah you know, and he degrading. Just, yeah, and he just it was it just was you know the game was different. He was different, but people made the mistake of which you should never do again was someone with that kind of competitive fire starting to say, well, he, you know, he never should have played in this season. He can't do it anymore. He can't score. And there was a game where Doug Collins uh took him out. Because he just thought, I think you just need to come out of the game. Anyway, go back and look. Again, I don't have the date in front of me. There was a game at the age of 40. He dropped like 45. I, I wish I had it in front of me. I should have been more prepared. I apologize. Against the New Jersey Nets. And I just remember him afterwards like, oh, yeah? You don't think I can do this anymore? I can. I may not choose to. But I can. Don't you ever think I can. I just never was around anyone that was as competitive as him. Nobody.
2: And, and just looking at his basketballreference.com page – he played every game his last season and averaged 37 minutes.
1: <laughs> that's insane.
0: Jack, is, he he actually had three 40 point games that last
1: year. That's just yeah. one that I happen to be at and one that yeah. I remember vividly. You know, the, the,
0: the Nets game he he scored 43, 43. Okay, on, yeah. on 30 shots, yeah. which is pretty good. He had a game that year uh, against New against New Orleans where he scored 45. Yeah, um, and he had another game against. Indiana, where he scored 41.
2: Um, McMahon, did you ever get to see him play live? I did. I saw him play live in uh, Old Reunion Arena in Dallas. And, I mean, he was – I don't remember the exact year, but, I mean, he was, you know, Michael Jordan in his prime uh, at that point. he It was before the first retirement for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I, he was a champion by then. And I remember that he did not have a dunk in that game. And I don't remember exactly who it was who fouled him, but there was a breakaway and one of the Mavericks wrapped him up to keep him from dunking and the entire arena booed that guy.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, uh, Myself I, it, was, included. it was just this week. Um, uh, there was the anniversary, I think of Jordan's last game or within the last week or two um, of his last game ever in Atlanta and they moved the game to, um, I guess it was his bulls, his his bulls retirement, not his wizards retirement, but they moved because there was such a demand to see it. Um, they moved the game to the Georgia dome and 63,000 people came. I remember that. that And, um, I'm trying to think, I'm looking for what he, what he scored, but he had a, I think he had a good game, like a really good game. Um, Can you imagine that? Like they, they, they got 63,000 people and all of those people are there to see you. You know, I mean, obviously at that point it was, um, it wasn't like he was afraid of playing in front of crowds, but I'm just saying like they, they moved a game to a dome because 60,000 people wanted to see you play for the last time.
1: But you know, Um, So you guys, you guys have been around Jordan. You've seen him lie. I mean, you've met him, probably talked with him. He's, there's an aura about him that's just unmistakable. You know, you know, basketball players, when they get in their uniforms, you know, it's, it's hard to look glamorous, but he did. He just, I think you said it, he floated, Tim, he glided. And when he got done and he got showered and dressed and put on the suits and, you know, he was one of the. Guys that really was in the forefront of all that, too. He just he just looked perfect. Everything about him just oozed. Well, look, he
2: changed the way the basketball uniforms looked. Oh, completely. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I remember, you know, even when I was a young kid, like we had the, the Stockton shorts, little short shorts. Like I see some pictures whenever I was, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then you know, I remember like getting into uh, into middle school, and man, you like we would wear those shorts as low as they could go because you know the shorts would be like, wow, well, old. And, like the the coaches wouldn't order the longer shorts, and you'd like, I remember like we'd try to stretch our shorts out because everybody wanted to look like you know everybody wanted to wear the shorts like Jordan.
1: Yeah, he he was, and you know the dream team, which of course there's legendary stories about that. And uh, and my favorite stories are about how Irvin, you know, Ma- Magic was trying to say, oh, well, this is, you know, me and Larry or the whatever. And, you know, Jordan very magnanimously allowed Irvin and Larry to be captains. I mean, he certainly could have been the captain of the team. He didn't he just didn't care about that kind of stuff. But he did care one night. You know, and I love it. Bird tells a great story about this when they're all playing pool. And they're talking about well, who is the, the greatest? And Irvin's like, oh, well, we're all the greatest. And, and Larry's like, no, 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 Michael's the greatest. And, and and Irvin's like, well, we all, no, 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 you know. And they went through this whole thing. And, and, and Jordan, remember now, the dream team. He'd go out in the morning, dressed impeccably, and play seventy-two holes of golf. Not eight. <laughs> he wouldn't
0: play seventy-two. Yes, he might play he 30, would. 30, Thirty-six maybe. He'd no, play 36. no, no, no.
1: Seventy
2: two. At he least, least I, not, I was. now I was, not I was not. He there. could not play seventy two. He could not play seventy two with the dream team. I think he he could play seventy
1: two so and beat college. Angola. So he, uh, I was not there. I was on maternity leave, so I was not at Barcelona. But the stories of him coming in with the bag at you know are legendary. And Chuck Daly, you guys know this. It's it's part of the urban legend of uh, the dream team. His whole goal during the Olympic games was very simple. He didn't want to call one single timeout. And, and I think it was maybe Patrick that told me this story, that one day Jordan come in, he had played so much golf, and Jordan's like, man, I'm tired. And Daly says, you damn well better not be too tired because I'm not calling no timeout. Yeah, Yeah, well, Chuck
0: used to play with Jordan. Of course, he wasn't playing 36. I I stand by 36. I don't believe he's 72. I I, 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 I
1: wouldn't put it past him, man. Was he
2: in the casinos the night before and then played 72? He
1: has an obsessive personality. Don't you know people like this in your life? They have an obsessive personality. It's not good enough for them to play – one round of golf or two rounds it's three rounds or or gambling which of course we know got him into trouble you know just you can't walk away from the craps table or you can't walk away from the game of basketball even he has an obsessive personality and it's one of the reasons why he's the very best
0: um i i so i had a complicated you know if you were from cleveland it was a complicated situation for jordan in the early 90s when he started winning his titles because he Beat the Cavs in the playoff three straight times. And, um, you know, when I was in 1992, uh, the Cavs had the best team they've ever had at, to, to that point. They were completely loaded, the 57 games, and they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They had never been that far before, and uh, got beat by Jordan for two hours. I still remember uh, a grade school graduation party that I had where we watched – game six where we were we were still hoping was 3-2 um, and we were hoping that the Cavs could win and, and even the series of three and just watching, you know, I'm with everybody in my class and we're living and dying with every basket and Jordan just strangled them down yet again and so you know, he, he, he broke that team and it's one of the things that I always keep in mind um, over the course of LeBron's career, there's been some really good teams that he's beaten, you know, two or three or four times in the playoffs and just, just brought them down um and i always you know i could relate to those teams and to those fans because that's you know that's what i felt now later on when he had racked up so much uh hardware and he was clearly you know one of the greatest of all time and everything you know mid to late 90s i mean it you know you've you dropped the pretense of not liking him because he was just so good but it was hard you know is it was just hard to deal with it. It was hard to take it in the teeth, you know, time after time after time when, you know, you felt like your team was really good. And, uh and that's, you know, for Jordan, I think if like if you said to him, Hey, uh, what was it like playing those calves in the nineties? He'd be like, I don't know. I, just another, uh just another bump in the road that I flattened. But, you know, for those of us who had to deal with it, it was hard. So, um, That was complicated. The first time I ever saw him play was in a playoff game at Richfield Coliseum, and I don't remember how many points he had, but the Bulls won. And, um, and he was, you know, awesome. So, uh, it was, it was hard, it was hard to see, but I, I did get to cover him twice when he was a wizard. In fact, one game that I covered him, he hit a game winner at the buzzer. Somehow he was left open and he, and he nailed it. Um, and, uh, so, I got to see some of that in personal, but by the time I saw him up close like that, he he wasn't the same player, but, um, you know, t-
2: well, at t- least you had the Browns playoff success to pick up your spirit. <laughs> yeah. At least we
0: had those AFC title games in a row. Um, so the, inter- even though we're all at ESPN, we have not been privy. This has all been kept under wraps. We haven't seen any, I haven't seen any of this documentary. Jordan was the executive producer on it. So, what I'll be interested to see, uh, Jackie, is you know who sat down for interviews. I'm sure everybody he wanted because he was making the ass. And "Well, they yeah, sp- but
1: they ran out of time." So, for instance, you know, last time I, a couple of years ago when I talked to Jordan. He said, "Hey, I'm, we're, we're doing this documentary. I want them to sit down with you. Will you do it?" I said, of "Course." You know, I was looking forward to it, but it never happened. So I'm not that high up the list. You know, President Obama's in this thing. Um, obviously all the, 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 cast of characters from the bulls and, you know, uh, Phil and Scotty and Horace and all of them are in it. Um, but they, you know, they got people outside of basketball too, uh, people that he was around, you know, because, you know, I'm sure they have, uh, the folks from Nike in there. Uh, you know, there's a, he transcended the game and that's, that's how he and LeBron are the same. LeBron certainly has transcended the game during his tenure. And uh, he, I'll tell you, he was just when you were when you were talking to him, he was so no nonsense. It just it's so different than today. Like I remember once he was mad at me because um, so the the Bulls had had signed Tony Kukoc and they paid him a lot of money, and you know Jordan had no beef with Tony Kukoc. He didn't even know him until they paid him a lot of money, and Steve and Pippen. Mm-hmm. I think they paid him more money than Pippen, or close to it anyway. And then all of a sudden. In an instant, Tony Kukoc is dead to him. Now he's going to be his teammate, and so I get word of some of this, and I'm trying to reach Jordan. Well, good luck reaching him. It's not like we had cell phones back then. I'm not going to call him on his home phone. I don't have his number, you know. But I, I was around enough of the Bulls back then, enough of the coaches and players, that I knew that Pippen and Jordan were going to give Tony Kukoc the cold shoulder. And this was just Jerry Krause signing. You know, Jerry Krause was very enamored with Kukoc, and Jerry Krause could get like that too. He would fall in love with somebody. You know, he at one point fell in love with this very eccentric uh, coach with a barrel chest from the CBA, who coached the Albany Patroons, Phil Jackson. You know, this is how he was. And then later, it was you know Fred Hoiberg or whoever. And so they made Tony Kukoc's life miserable. So that was the other side of Jordan. There was a side of Jordan that was, I don't want to say petty, but maybe principled. He would probably say. Uh, Jack,
2: Jack, you're talking about someone that had a list at his Hall of Fame speech. I think I think we yes, can use a little bit of
1: pettiness. Yeah, you're right. But see, one of the things that well, we they just, played that
0: famous game with Team USA against Croatia, right? Right. right. And uh, Scotty and Michael pretty much like tackled each other to try to see who would who would right. guard him because they both wanted to. Right. I've talked to I've talked to Scotty about uh, one of the cool things that's happened in ESPN over the last three or four years. Scotty has been an analyst for us and i've gotten a chance to spend some time in the green room with scotty pippen now this is a life affirming moment uh for me because you know i literally as a child i watched him as a star and now i was i am working with him on uh on stage and we're having basketball conversations but obviously whenever he starts talking about his bulls years um i shut the f up <laughs> yeah. um and uh listen and uh he told he told me the story uh of the practice you know or at least the the, the meeting before they were going to play croatia and how <laughs> he and michael had a had a disagreement over who was going to get
1: to guard him or how about they were going to get to guard him
0: and michael was not taking no for an answer
1: right well i can tell you when um you know, the famous game where Phil drew up the last play. Of course, this is Jordan's in Birmingham playing baseball. He draws up the last play in the playoff game for Tony mm-hmm. Kukoc instead of Scottie Pippen. And Scotty refuses to go back on the court. And we actually wrote about this in Basketball a Love Story because I also got the chance to talk to Scotty about it. And, he, you know, he really felt, and I think he's right, by the way, that Phil really showed him up in that moment. And that it should have been Scotty's right to take that shot at the end of the game. Now, we can debate whether... Scotty, you know, if Scotty could do it over, would he go back on the floor? Probably. But I, I had a much better understanding of where Scotty was coming from and that. But here's the thing. When all that happened, guess where I was? I was on my way to Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, that's just, <laughs> <laughs>
0: somehow leaf.
1: somehow I convinced my I, I worked at the Boston Globe at the time. Somehow I convinced them to send me to Birmingham to do a story on Jordan playing baseball. And when I got there, it was the day after this whole thing had happened with Coach and Pippen. I wasn't covering the game. I don't know how I talked them into that, but I did. And so I, I walk up. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know Birmingham very well. The uh, the manager was this really funny, wisecracking guy named Terry Francona. But anyway, so I'm, I'm, walking <laughs> in, I'm walking into the dugout, and there's Jordan. And the first thing he does when he sees me, he goes, "Can you believe that?" Ah. <laughs> And I start laughing. And he goes, I can't believe that. I said, but yes, you can. He goes, I can't believe Phil did that to Scotty." I mean, it was just, I couldn't even believe it. I I was standing in a baseball dugout. And then the game I was there, I was there two days. And I'm sorry to report that that night, the day we had that conversation, you know, the game was about to start. And that night, Michael Jordan struck out four times.
0: Mm.
1: Curveball. Couldn't hit the curveball. I wonder in the documentary
0: how – First off, how much the baseball stuff will be covered, if at all. And, you know, it's all it's people have never fully accepted the explanations that he had. um, Right. Leaving. You know, there's always been this, you know, conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. Although I've I have no information on anything. I would just say that (laughs) anybody who thinks that he was under some sort of secret suspension, you must be crazy.
2: Right. Because they would never never have suspended him.
1: Well, (laughs) you know what? But you know what? So let's just play conspiracy just for fun. I'm just – this is pie in the sky. This is not to be aggregated. Let's just have some fun with this. We don't get to decide what's aggregated. But I'm just saying that the conspiracy theorists, theorists, what they thought – and the reason they thought and why this thing actually had some legs, although I don't believe it to be true, but the reason they said it was that he was going to be investigated for gambling in a way that was going to be very embarrassing to the NBA. So their theory goes, well, if you go away and play baseball for two years, you can come back. This thing blows over. We're all good. Cause it maybe, maybe, and I, and I don't know, I believe me, I don't believe this, but there's a lot of very, close observers of the NBA that very fervently believed that there was something to this. We'll never know. I don't think we'll ever know. Well, certainly David Stern was never ever going to tell us and why would Michael Jordan? I just,
0: I mean, I don't know anything. It just doesn't, it never made sense to me. Oh,
1: but it's, <laughs> but it's part of the lore, right? It's part of the lore. It's all part of the lore. Yeah. And, so and I'll, I'll just prove it just to see of, how, like, who how does he that? discusses. Right, but who does that? Who who hasn't played baseball since he was like 18 and then goes and plays double league baseball. And by the way, worked his tail off. The two days I was there, he was in the cage. He was taking grounders. He worked harder than any other baseball player when I was there. And Terry Francona told me that. He said, this guy wants it so badly. He's working so hard. at But just imagine to be gifted enough to even have a chance like that. And then to come back and just res- resume being the greatest player we've ever seen in our lives. Pretty you cool. You know
2: what? I kind of wish LeBron would have taken a year or two and gone and played tight end in the NFL. Oh, he could have. Gosh, he'd be oh, so good. I, I so, actually talked to uh, – when I was covering the Cowboys, I talked to Jason Witten about it. I talked to Dez Bryant about it, and they're both like, dude, he's catch like 10, 12 or 15 touchdowns a year.
1: And he just knocked people over. You know you he-
0: what was actually amazing? So during the lockout – and this footage is probably on some internet site somewhere –
2: I don't know if any of you guys remember. Yeah, this, but the Durant flag football game.
0: Yeah, so during the lockout, um, you know they had nothing to do, so they um, they they had a flag football game in an indoor in the indoor uh, football practice field at the University of Akron, and Durant brought a team from DC with his buddies. I, there might have been some other pl- uh, NBA players in the game. I know Maverick Carter played on the bronze team because Maverick actually. Was a, in my mind a better wide receiver than he actually was a basketball player. He he went to college to play basketball, but he was a better wide receiver. And uh, watching that game, I went to it. You know, there's no fans there. I just was able to get in, and so I went. I went and watched him. And and they they hired a a crew, like they had like boom cameras and everything like that. And the thing about watching. Play. I mean, I did see him play football in high school, um, but it was kind of difficult to evaluate him, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. But watching him play, like, safety, yeah, that's, that's what cool. he was playing, you want to talk crazy, like, the ball hawking that he could do, <laughs> like, he would play center field, and good luck throwing any pass that had any air on it because he would just close the distance, and he's six foot – he's actually six foot nine. All mm-hmm. the guys who lost an inch – you know when they when they when they said right. because of the gamblers yeah. they had to do measurements. Everybody lost an inch. Somebody lost two inches. LeBron gained a, gained an inch. He actually That's has six right. So he's That's six awesome. nine, running out there with incredible hands, incredible footwork. Watching him play safety now. So you wouldn't have done that because you can't score from the safety position. You would have played him at tight end. But um, yeah,
2: he'd have been a five inch taller version of Antonio Gates. Yeah, who Gronk? Are Gronk man, he's Gronk.
0: Well, Gates uh, Gronk blocked.
2: I'm not sure if LeBron would have wanted to do all that. But he could. So,
0: Gates, yeah, he Gates, I knew very well. I covered him in college. College yeah. basketball player, um, and he was one of the great athletes that you'd ever see um, of that size. But with all due respect, he couldn't. He couldn't hold a no, candle. He
2: didn't have um, that kind of explosiveness. But Are you, you know, me?
0: in high school when LeBron played, I mean he he played safe. He did not want to get hurt. And I don't. I don't. Uh, fault him for a tenth of a second right because you know but anyway so i'll be interested to see um what happens like how jordan discusses the baseball thing how much of the baseball thing will be in there and also for a guy you know mcmahon you mentioned this is a guy who who not only did he hold grudges he sought grudges out yeah and considering this is his project how much of this project is going to be dedicated to the grudges? Yeah, is it,
2: um, well, not only grudges with, you know, other guys in the league, but guys on his team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Kuko stuff, you know, punching Steve Kerr. Um, oh, yeah,
1: he, but that – no, but he and Steve Kerr get along great. That was didn't just – didn't,
2: didn't he call Will Purdue Will Perdue, Will Vanderbilt because he said he wasn't good enough to be uh, Purdue I always heard that. I'm
1: not... <laughs> oh, I never knew that one. I never knew that. Oh, too.
0: my God. That's a great line. Uh, he was, tell you who, he that's, wasn't really, a, maybe he that's, wasn't really uh, that kind um, of a yeah. – Jack, he wasn't really a trash talker, was he,
1: though? Oh, um, yeah, he was. Sure. He was, oh, I mean, yeah. not like a bird's level. Well, hard hard to – you know, That's a whole other story. But, yeah, he, listen, Jordan, the one guy that I remember that he, um, he just wouldn't let anybody – Get touch was Bill Cartwright. He had great respect for Bill Cartwright and um, Bill's presence in the locker room and what he did to try to you know bring that team together. And that was one of the few guys you, you couldn't mess with Bill Cartwright. he wouldn't you wouldn't put up with that. he just wouldn't. I'm interested to see what he says about Barkley. You know those guys were really really close friends, and they're 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 not as friendly anymore. And I don't really know. I mean I think it maybe it had something to do with I don't know. I mean, Did he
2: had, criticize him?
1: No, nah, I don't think it was more – I think it was more like late-night stuff, like gambling. You know, they all gambled, him and Tiger, and Tiger and Barkley and Jordan, they were a threesome for a while. They were really tight. And then when Tiger got in all this trouble, I remember Barkley telling me, like, he was trying to call him to check in on him, and Tiger just, nope, cut cut him off. And I think the same thing happened with Jordan, too, with Tiger. So Tiger. I mean,
0: Tiger cut – I've read a couple of books like including his swing coach. He wouldn't call his coach back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he Tiger just cut everybody Tiger, off. to cut everybody off. So but I don't really know because, um, you know, like there's – when when um Jordan and Barkley played each other in the 93 finals, 93, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, You know, there was – there was he was buying Jordan uh, – buying Barkley gifts. So people think that he just sort of lulled Barkley into this frenemy kind of state where – Barkley was, you know, didn't have the edge the way Jordan did. Um, but they were there they at one time very, very close. So I'm curious about that. I've always been curious about it. So
0: what he would say about the 93 series maybe. I mean I, I find it hard. That was Barkley's – I guess he thought with the Rockets he might have had a shot. But that was Barkley's shot at a title.
1: Um, yeah, they I can't played – so they played the, – the story was that – I think it was game day or the day before. They played 48 holes of golf together. Huh. And Jordan Newing, 48. He could
0: do it. I'm Jackie, telling you,
1: you're, you're, it's all off. You're, you're holes in the day. No, so this one I'm sure of. I, you're right. I think the Olympics, they played 36 in the morning, played the game, and then played 36 after the game. But I may be wrong about that, but I know I'm not wrong about this. It was like game four of the finals, and they went out and they played. Look it up. Andrew, Juan.
0: Well, 48 is just an odd number of holes. You, you would never play 48 holes. Yeah, they played play.
1: 48. Trust me. Look it up. Someone look it up for me. I can't. <laughs> Shall I do it right now? I'm on a podcast. No. I, that's you, a,
0: you, you talk. I'll,
1: I'll Google. Johnny Bach was the one that told us. Johnny Bach was the best. Another person that Michael Jordan absolutely adored. Johnny Bach he thought Johnny Bach didn't get enough credit you know Tex Winter got a ton of credit for the triangle and some of the creative things that he did but he always t- told me that Johnny Bach was the glue that held that coaching staff together another guy that that just doesn't get his due but I'm sure Jordan will give it t- well he's probably too too much of a bit player but um in the movie but he um he loved uh, he loved Johnny Bach I can tell you that from personal experience talking with him about it. The other thing that
0: I think is will be interesting to see what he says is the Bulls breaking up uh, in '98. Still to this day, I don't understand why they why they broke up. Um, I mean, I understand at the time there was jealousies and there was issues with what guys were getting paid and Kraus. Wanted to move on, and Phil Jackson would, had had enough. And like I, I've heard all the stories, but it's just hard to believe that they that any team would go would, would go out with an op- you know especially because they had lost a chance because they they probably would have won eight in a row. No offense to the Rockets, they probably would have.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was Jerry Krause. It was listen, he won it. I did a story for Sports Illustrated on this. I went into Phil Jackson's office and talked with him about, you know, why was, why did it seem like he was going to be out? And, and he said, you know, Jerry used to be, Jerry gets enamored with new people. He used to be enamored with me. Like I think I mentioned that earlier in the pod, Jerry Krause wanted Phil Jackson to move on and, and he made sure. I it mean, That's what happened. I'm telling you. And they, they didn't, oh
2: God, they didn't even crack 20 wins over the next three years. It's just to go from winning the title every year to 13 and 37, 17 and 65, 15 and 67, 21 and 61. Like, what the hell? Tim well, Floyd I mean, replacing Phil Jackson.
1: Tim Floyd, that's it. Yeah, I said. Yeah, you uh, said Hoiberg. Yeah, I meant Tim Floyd. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. That's my mistake. Thank you. Yeah, Tim.
2: I would whatever.
1: But it's. Um, but so what happened was Phil, Phil goes. I don't think willingly, but we'll, you know, I'm, that's probably in the dock. And then Jordan decides I'm done. And then Jerry Krause is like, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the best GM in the business. I'm brilliant. I'm going to trade Scottie Pippen. I'm going to get it. I'm going to reboot this and we're going to do it again. Not so much.
0: Yeah. Um, I can just tell you one of the things that I've learned in my time covering the NBA um, in in it. Enjoy every championship. I know that that sounds kind of like obvious, but um, it's so hard to do. Uh, there's so many things that have to go right. Uh, it's such a it's such a slog. Um, enjoy every championship. It's a vital it's a vital vital thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm I I I can't wait. Um, I can't either. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. So excited.
1: I, the
0: other thing is, I, I was young. I don't really remember so much about it. A a, a lot of stuff I know and will have forgotten a lot of stuff. I won't know. uh, It will be like, you know, for a lot of this stuff, it won't just be reliving it. It'll be like, I'll be, I'll feel like I'm learning it for the first time on some of this. And uh, um, like, I remember the, the game where he made all the three pointers against the blazers in the,
1: um, yeah, the shrug game. That was the, the shrug, shrug game. game. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just the circumstances surrounding that game, the circumstances surrounding the flu game. Yeah, that was amazing.
1: Um, and even the yeah. last one, you know, it crosses over Byron Russell and you're just like, oh my God, he's going to do this again. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, like, you know, so that is now 20, that was 98. So that is, yeah. you know, that's tw- 22 years ago. Yeah, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Like, the thing about him that was... I don't remember anything about the game, Jackie, is my point. I I, I remember the last shot, but I don't remember anything about the game, which is what I'm looking forward
1: to. It um, will be fun. Is to have all this filled in. And he was just, like, he was a winner. Like, there's been great champions, great players. There's, you know, plenty of them. But how many of them had as many game-winning shots as he did? I'm hard-pressed to think of someone else. I just am. Yeah, I mean, Kobe had quite...
0: Uh, uh, an array, but he, he also had quite an array of game of, of misses. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Volume, <laughs>
1: you know, right. Yeah. And you know, uh, but, Jordan, I mean, when I did that story on Kobe, when he retired and Jordan was his idol and, you know, remember Jordan telling me like, I really liked Kobe. He wanted to do everything right. And he kept saying, you know, these guys don't like me. And I, he, and Jordan kept saying, oh, don't listen to him, man. You're different. Embrace being different. Embrace being not the same as these other big guys because nobody has your unquenchable thirst for winning. And I do think Kobe shared that with Jordan. And, you know, I think Jordan felt a little bad for Kobe in some ways because as great as Kobe was, he was always compared to Michael and therefore was always going to come up a little short.
0: And two things I want to say about Jordan. made two of the most amazing business deals that any professional athlete ever has. One, you know, basically launched Nike Basketball. And Mm -hmm. I think it's five percent to this day of the Jordan brand, Uh, may even be more. But I um, got
1: Jordans on right now. I got a pair of Jordans on as we speak. Well, that uh, is now? That is now Jordan ones. Oh, I don't know what the hell. I have no idea. I just see his logo and I buy him. He he's 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 (laughs) out of the league. Not kidding. He's he's out of the league.
0: Um, you know, seventeen, eighteen years now. His his shoe brand is a is a multi billion dollar a year brand, and he gets a percentage of all of it. That's yeah,
2: number and, one, and, 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 the, and apparel like, the apparel too. Yeah, they've, it's they've had it's the the new ones are Jordan thirty fours, but like the ones, the threes, the fours, the love, like all those things sell like hotcakes still.
0: So I mean he's he is earning more money right now than just about it. I mean, he's probably earned more money than any pro athlete in history. I don't think there's any doubt Well, about it's the that. most, it's the most iconic logo in sports. Name another one. That's even close. Well, Mikey, I think is a more iconic logo, but he's I short don't. of that.
1: I don't, it's, I'm talking about a person. It's a, yes. It's him. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I mean, sure.
2: the, the Jerry West NBA logo. Maybe it's, it's debatable.
1: You know what? If you, if you walk down the street and ask 10 strangers, who, who is the logo? They should know, but they don't. If you, yeah, if you the difference go. is Jerry
0: West doesn't get five percent of everything no, right. Right. But, yeah. but here's it's my
1: point. Course. If you walked down the street and had a shirt with a Jordan logo on it and you said, "Who's that?" everybody would know everybody yeah.
0: um the other thing is the the deal to buy the Bobcats one uh, an absolutely breathtaking business deal um, now, a whole bunch of things had to align for it to happen um Number one, Bob Johnson, who owned the Bobcats, sold them at a loss, which is just unheard about of. unheard of I know, unheard in, of. in, in, in of modern in modern sports. Uh, secondly, it was at a point where teams were not going for very high, and the NBA was so interested in getting Jordan into the fraternity that they relaxed the rules a little bit on, on – you know the standard for him to buy was a little bit lower. They would not have probably approved – that deal with another buyer. Um, but he really didn't have, I mean, he wrote, he wrote a check for tens of millions of dollars, but he didn't have to put the kind of money down that, that uh, other people would have, uh, which is fine. The NBA owes him uh, a lot more than whatever uh, grant they gave him there. And he bought them at a time where he's, he's turned them into, you know, they're worth at least a billion dollars, if not more. Um, Despite and so the
2: fact that they make, some of the worst personnel moves ever he has
0: has not been an effective owner Uh, I don't think there's any doubt but the business just those two you think about one of the greatest players of all time I'm not one of one of the greatest athletes of all time obviously the greatest Mm -hmm. basketball player but um, he has made two of the greatest business moves and and, and, I mean a bunch of other moves along the way I mean he's uh, but those two uh, particularly Um, all right so I did want to take a couple of calls before we leave we're all looking forward to, to Jordan um so here is uh, this one. Uh, hey, m- my name is Manoj, and I'm an
2: offline time listener. Uh, and every week uh, I wait for the new release of the podcast, and uh, I like the conversations arguments between Jackie Mack, Brian Mendoza, and, Mick- and McMahon. Uh, my question to you guys is, you guys uh, seem to know a lot of things, inside stories about the players, teams, and executives, and you, you share uh, a few details with us. And I guess a lot of players and executives would be angry or uncomfortable based on the details you share. How do you work around this in case if you need to do a story with them or about them in the future? Thank you,
0: McMahon. You want to uh, tackle that first. You're not afraid to uh, to offend anybody.
2: Well, obviously, you're not going to burn any bridges in terms of off the record conversations or things that were told to you in confidence, but kind of the approach that I've always taken is as long as you're fair and accurate, then, you know, if somebody has an issue with something you say or or write or whatever the case may be, then we can have that conversation. But if I know that I'm fair and if I know that I'm accurate, then, you know, I, I can, they can vent if they don't like it, but you can only be so mad at me.
1: And don't you find, Tim, that those players end up respecting you because of that?
2: Or hate me. I mean, there's been... <laughs> no, I, not I,
1: always. Okay, but <laughs> yeah. all right. But but let's... No, I, they look, they it, can it, still they hate you and respect you. They can still hate this. you and
2: respect I, you. I will say this. The the players who have been so mad that they have... And this wasn't podcast stuff. This is more stuff that, that I've written. The players that have been so mad at me that they refused to talk to me, they weren't around a whole lot longer because I was right. The, right. They were mad because I was right. And usually I was right about them about to be heading out of town.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a good question.
1: Um, it's yeah, just I mean, I, I
0: don't think he's necessarily asking about questions that you, or, 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 you know, stories that you did write. I think he's asking more about stories that you didn't write, you know, yeah. because you were, you know, I mean, and. Uh, well, and look, <laughs> here's the thing.
2: If if we say it on a podcast, we probably should be willing to write it because if we don't, Wendy, as you know better than anybody, somebody else will because it'll get aggregated. Well, so there's, it's not, I don't think I'm the wrong
0: person to ask real about different this standard. because I would say almost every week I say something on the podcast that I shouldn't have said, and Andrew calls me. Andrew, how often do you – I mean the, literally the last podcast we did with Bobby, Marks, and uh,
2: – no, no. Um,
0: don't Who else is on that
2: pod with us? Don't say the thing.
0: That... <laughs> I won't say what it was, but it's, I think it's. I think anybody can. You know, you can relate to it. You hear sometimes you you know things about people or situations, and you can't say it. You know, it, it's just like any piece of information in life. You some of the stuff you don't say. You know it, but you don't say it. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I think uh, the difference here is that uh, your small circle of friends or your classmates. Uh, it's not just that. It's just, you know, it would be hundreds of thousands of people who would be interested in hearing that. So you got to so – the stakes are a little higher. But um, I, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask because I, <laughs> I've i got myself in hot water at times uh, for saying stuff I shouldn't have said, Jackie.
1: Well, you know that this happens to me quite often as well. interesting. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I generally think I, – and I might be wrong. I think if you're honest and you have something – you know, if you have a criticism of a player, I often used to say to them, well, here's what I'm going to write. Talk me out of it. And sometimes they could, and sometimes they couldn't. And when they could, I didn't end up writing it. When they couldn't, they knew it was coming. I think the hard times are when you say something that criticizes or, or calls into question someone's integrity or character. I think that's when players really get upset. And that's when you can get yourself into trouble. And that's when um, you might get some backlash and deservedly so. I mean, if you're going to criticize or make uh, or report something that's controversial, you need to be available and willing to take the heat that comes with it. That's part of our job. It's, you know, everyone thinks we have the most glamorous, fun job. You get to hang around all these athletes and talk to all these athletes. Well, that's the other side of it, that if we're doing our job properly, if everybody loved us, we're not doing our job. I mean, that's just the truth. Yeah, and the thing about it is, like, I literally have off-the-record
0: conversations not to be shared every single day. Uh, today, I, and even with the league shut down, uh, today I had a call with a high-ranking person and <laughs> about stuff that's happening right now that is sensitive. And, like, it was like, look, you know, this is off-the-record Uh, I had somebody else today share with me a secret that if I said it right now, I guarantee would be significant news across the Twitter sphere. Like, and it's, I'm not even trying to be, I'm not even trying to tempt you. Like it happens every single day. So, you know, part of it is the nature of our, our business. One of the things that's interesting about our jobs is we swim in the neutral zone. Um, in between them, we don't show up to, to games with the NBA team on our shirt like everybody mm-hmm. else. Um, so as a result, sometimes because of that, we sort of our arbiters and our privy to things and it's the nature of the job um you know there was a time where a team actually was interested in hiring me they wanted to hire me to be an information person um you know hey we need you i'm going to give you assignments go find out why, why this guy isn't playing here why this guy may want to get traded and everything like that and i didn't think i could do the job because i th- I thought my whole training, my whole background was being in the middle and not having – being a neutral party for the most part and being able to operate that way. I didn't think if I all of a sudden started wearing shirts with that team's logo on that I would be able to get access to the same information. I, I would become an adversary. Not a not an arbiter and not a neutral party. So oh, well, that um, is it's part the of the job,
2: job of a lot of like the 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 pro scouts, not advanced scouts, not the guys who are worried about play calls and and that and that stuff. But the pro scouts, that's a lot a big part of their job is basically <laughs> to stay on top of the of the NBA gossip.
0: Which is why they talked all of us to get it yeah. to get it. <laughs>
1: Um, but you know the thing is, right? So the the best stories are the ones we don't write. That's what that's sort of the adage in our business. But it's important at some point to write some of them. Don't we agree? That's
0: the that's the that's the thing you're always doing value judgments on. So um, All right, if you have a question for us, we have more. And we by the way, we have a lot of these, and we will get through some of them because I know some of you have called back and said, You didn't answer my question. Well, We'll we'll try to get there. Um but Andrew, what is the phone number? Four oh two four oh two
2: three one six two nine five five. We uh if you come up come up with a jingle for it, maybe that will help.
0: A Jackie, jingle?
2: If you want to come well, up a, a
0: with a jingle?
2: You know, like uh
0: four oh two three what is it? What is it again? Give
2: me the number I'm on. I doesn't really have a um, ring to it. Did you guys have Garfield one two three two I'd, three? I'd rather bring back it? the Band McMahon theme song than have a jingle.
1: Hey, oh, y'all, it's, it. hey y'all, it's Hoop Collective live four zero two three one six nine five five. It's Band oh, McMahon
0: Band McMan, Texas blood thick as mud. <laughs> I used
2: to have it twice uh, a week on Dallas radio, but I got. Uh, I'm on. I'm on radio furlough right now. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. Thanks for listening to our memories. And um, we will be talking to you in another couple of days. Who knows what we'll talk about then? Enjoy the rest of your week.